Yeah, so this past week, I decided to do a little research and I watched three different YouTube videos all relating to the economic conditions that are currently happening in America and around the world, just to see what people are saying. One of these videos said, get ready for the biggest buying opportunity you will ever see in your lifetime. They're like, get ready, you need to be ready to swoop in, buy everything you can. Another person said, sell every stock you own and buy precious metals. So that was their advice. And another basically said, dump your investments and hide your money in your mattress because it's going to be a very, very dark, dark time economically. So that's the, the, you have three very, very different perspectives on what to do in the current economy. And the best part about this was every one of these guys was a quote unquote expert. You ever kind of get the sense, especially in the YouTube culture in which we live now, that we kind of throw around the term expert way too freely <laughs> in our culture. Uh, but we do need experts. I mean, we need these kinds of people in our lives. Sometimes things just don't make a whole lot of sense. And we need someone who knows more than we do. You know, that we can rely on their knowledge to come along and just kind of tell us the direction that we should head, to point the way for us as to where we're supposed to go. The problem then is who do we listen to? Because you can have differing opinions from people who are both experts in their fields. Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Dollars and Cents. And here's what we're gonna be doing over the next few weeks. We're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs together. That's where we're gonna be focused uh, for this sermon series is in Proverbs. The Bible is broken up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, let me kind of paint a picture for you. Uh, the big, the first big part of the Bible is the Old Testament. And, and then the second part of the Bible is the New Testament. The Old Testament was written in ancient Hebrew. Uh, and it's a collection of ancient Hebrew manuscripts. So think Israel, think the Jews, the Hebrews, okay? Then the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Old Testament is before Jesus was born. And the New Testament begins with the birth of Jesus, tells us about his life, then the start of the church. And then that culminates the New Testament with the last book, which is a, a special book that talks about the end of time and what we can expect. And that's called Revelation. Now, in the middle of the Old Testament is a book called Proverbs. The book of Proverbs was written by a man named Solomon, and Solomon uh, was a king in Israel roughly a thousand years uh, before the birth of Christ, and the Bible calls him the wisest man who has ever lived. The wisest man that ever lived is also the wealthiest man who has ever lived. Probably those go hand in hand, uh, but here's why. I believe he was the wealthiest man that's ever lived because he put into practice what he wrote in the book of Proverbs. It's a book that's thousands of years old that is as true today as it was then. And it was written by this man that we call Solomon. Now, let me switch gears for a minute. In ancient Hebrew tradition, the beard was symbolic and the beard was symbolic for wisdom. Now, I'm not implying anything here. I'm just telling you what the ancient Hebrews believed about the beard, okay? The beard was symbolic for wisdom. 
Uh, my beard has nothing to do with this story. I just wanted to let you know that up front. But here's how it worked. Because the beard bridged the gap between your mind and your body. The beard connected your mind and your body. The beard symbolic, symbolically bridged that. And that's what wisdom is. It's knowing the right information here and then applying that information in the right way, doing something with that information. Wisdom is information and application. Wisdom is information and application. So the beard was symbolic for wisdom. And again, it's symbolic of the head meeting the body, the mind meeting the body. The gap is being bridged between theory and practice. You tracking with me? So here's what we're going to do. Solomon is the wisest and the wealthiest man that ever lived. And we're going to gain some knowledge from Solomon, and then we're going to put it into practice. That's wisdom. Let me just break it down for you in scripture about who Solomon was. 1 Kings 3 has this account in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. If you're following our Bible reading plan where we're reading through the Bible in a year as a church and, and you've, you've been going through that chronologically, you, you know that you bounce back a lot between Kings and Chronicles, Kings and Chronicles, and you see the same thing repeated in between uh, these uh, two books of the Bible because there is some overlap between these two different accounts, two different reports uh, of what happened historically. Well, 1 Kings 3 has this account and 2 Chronicles chapter 1 has this story that I'm about to tell you. So King David was Solomon's father and David is going to die and Solomon knows that David's about to die. And he, Solomon is 12 years old at the time. So he's a 12-year-old kid Although 12, year old, uh, 12 years old had a different, you know, set of responsibilities and maturity back in this time than it does now. But he's 12 years old and he's going to become the new king of Israel in short order. And Solomon is actually the son of David and Bathsheba. A little bit of Bible history there for you, for those of you who know the other story. But Solomon goes to sleep one night and the Bible says that God appears to Solomon in a dream. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 says this, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Now think about this for a moment. What if God came to you and said, I'm going to grant you a wish. Ask, and it's yours. What, what would you, what could you wish for in this moment? I mean, it could be that you ask for a lot of money you know, to deal with maybe debt or get some nice things. It could be that you ask for healing for a loved one. Uh, it could be that you ask, would you change my physical appearance? Make me taller, make me skinnier, something like that. Here's what Solomon says. Solomon tells God, and in this dream, God's going to grant his request. First Kings 3, 7 through 9. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. So Solomon is painting the picture of this daunting task that he has in front of him of leading this great nation. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? 
And God, he could ask for anything. And what does he ask for? He asks for wisdom. And God responds and grants his request. And the Bible says that God grants him wisdom to the extent that he is called the wisest man that ever lived. And then God says this, not only will I grant that request, but because you weren't selfish seeking things for yourself, I am also going to give you money, prosperity, and honor as well. You're going to have everything you could have ever dreamed of. And so Solomon began his reign over Israel, and it was the most prosperous time in all of Israel's history. And Solomon was wise, and he was the wealthiest man that ever lived. Get this, Solomon was the wealthiest man that ever lived. Some scholars believe that if we put Solomon's net worth, what Solomon had then in comparison to the world around him, and we translated Solomon's net worth into today's dollars, he would have been a trillionaire. Okay, that's a T, trillionaire. Uh, when I was typing that word, trillionaire, into uh, my document, into my sermon, autocorrect kept flagging it as wrong because trillionaire, no one has made that much money yet, so people don't use the word. Uh, it, but he would have been a trillionaire in today's dollars. That's a one with 12 zeros following it. So here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're just going to walk through Proverbs together, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to live bearded, if you will. Uh, not just what we know, although we're going to learn some information, but we're also going to choose to practice it because that's what wisdom is. We're going to allow that knowledge to be lived out in our lives. Wisdom is bridging the gap between knowing the right thing to do and then actually doing it. And if you've never read Proverbs, I encourage you to start reading it as we go through this series. Just start reading it on your own. Uh, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs, uh, so there's literally a chapter for every day of the month. Uh, I, I've had seasons of my life where no matter what reading plan I'm on, I just kind of add Proverbs on top of it because it's real easy to just add one chapter of Proverbs to whatever else you're reading at that given time. And there's wisdom. I mean, I mentioned finances, uh, but there, and there is wisdom about finances. There's wisdom about relationships, about wisdom about your work, uh, every area of life. And throughout this series, I'm going to be leaning into the financial side. That's why this series is called Dollars and Cents, uh, because we want to make sense of our finances in a biblical context. So I'm going to lean into the financial side of it, and we're going to learn from the wealthiest man in the world of how money works. I mean, think about this. Imagine, what, what if you had the opportunity to learn how wealth was created from Warren Buffett for free? I mean, what if, what if you just had that opportunity? Like, what if over the next several weeks I said, hey, Warren's going to be here on Zoom with us. Uh, he's going to be here every week, and he's going to answer our questions about money, and he's going to give you some advice, okay? Uh, I think probably we would be interested in that. That'd be a great opportunity. But here's the thing. Solomon was better with money than Warren Buffett is. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through that together and hear some of the principles that Solomon has laid out for us. And, and if you're sitting here thinking, you know, I thought the Bible said money was bad, like money's the root of all evil. That's really not what the Bible has to say at all. That's a misquote, a common misquote, but it's in 1 Timothy 6.10. And here's what that verse actually says. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the problem. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Money is just neutral. It's a tool. And the first thing I want you to see is in what the Bible has to say about money is this. 
How much money you have is not important. What you do with the money you have is what matters. How much money you have is not important. What you do with the money you have is what matters. And in the Bible, you have all these different categories and classifications of people. You have the righteous rich. So you can be righteous and be rich. And you have, then you have the unrighteous rich. And you have the righteous poor and you have the unrighteous poor. So righteousness and unrighteousness and wealth and, and a lack of wealth, uh, they kind of cross each other at all points. And so the key is just whether you're wealthy or whether you're poor, will you live righteously and will you obey God in what you have been entrusted with? People have this idea that if you're poor in the Bible, then you're righteous. And if you're rich, you're evil. And that's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible does challenge us and say it is harder on the wealthy to live righteously because there are so many trappings that come with wealth. So there is that side of it. And we will touch on that later on in this series. But Solomon is one example of someone in the Bible who is both righteous and wealthy. That's just one example. Uh, another one that is kind of a a side character that we see is after Jesus uh, was crucified, they laid him in a rich man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. And they, uh, he gave his tomb freely for them to place the, the body of Jesus after he was crucified. And so he's another example of a righteous, wealthy man. But Solomon is a righteous, wealthy man. And we're going to learn from him over the next few weeks. Solomon, the first half of his life, really practices wisdom. I mean, incredible wisdom. And this is that season of prosperity that I told you about in the nation of Israel. Wealthiest man that ever lived. The second half of Solomon's life, and he knew what was right. He knew the truth, but he didn't apply it as well. And he kind of started to blow some things up around him uh, because he didn't live with the beard. He didn't apply what he knew. That, that bridge didn't exist to connect it. And that gap between knowing the right thing to do and actually doing it, that gap started to grow and Solomon didn't apply things. Uh, then there's also the unrighteous rich. And we're going to talk about some of that over the next few weeks. Solomon talks about them in Proverbs, uh, about the unrighteous rich. And it's people who take advantage of the poor, people who cheat uh, to get their wealth, uh, those kinds of things. But the issue is not money. The issue is righteousness and unrighteousness. You have, then you have the righteous poor in scripture. Maybe you've heard the story where Jesus really affirms this widow uh, who walks through uh, the temple and gives her, her offering and she puts a mite uh, into the offering, which would be like a modern day penny. Imagine uh, an older woman walking through, you know, the collection box and dropping in a penny and Jesus standing there watching her and saying, I tell you the truth, she has given all that she had. This was an incredible sacrifice. Jesus is affirming the fact that she gave 100% of what she had. Because here's the thing, Jesus is about sacrificial giving, not about writing a big check. Jesus and the principle that the Bible teaches us is that we need to give sacrificially. That needs to be a value uh, that we have in our lives. Uh, not that we just write a big check, because some people can write a big check and it's a drop in the bucket. It doesn't mean anything. And as, as humans, we, we go on and on about people who, who have wealth and can write big checks and give a lot of money to charity and those types of things. But really, in the grand scheme of things, if it's just such a tiny little drop percentage of what they have, it's not really a sacrifice for them. Whereas somebody who's struggling 
uh, to you know pay their mortgage every month and keep food on the table and they're working two jobs but they're doing it they're making ends meet and yet they still figure out a way to sacrifice and to give and to help other people and to be generous that is something that God really celebrates and honors and we will touch on that later but I just wanted to use her as an example of a righteous poor person in scripture she gave a hundred percent Jesus himself would be an example of a righteous poor person I mean he didn't have a home he didn't have any assets. All he had was the clothes on his back. So he, had, he, he was very much considered poor by the world's standards. And yet, we can obviously attribute righteousness to Jesus as well. But then you finally, you have the unrighteous poor in Scripture. We're going to read about that group in Proverbs. These are the kind of people who might gamble their money away or they're lazy and they just don't, they don't care. Uh, these kinds of things. So again, it's not money, it's righteous and unrighteous. So in Proverbs, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about laws for living. That's what Proverbs contain. Proverbs are basically laws for living. In nature, in the world around us, there are laws. Uh, you know, we can all agree on that. There are natural laws that exist. Examples from the laws of nature, there's gravity, there's aerodynamics. It does not make any difference how any of us feel about the law of gravity. You are affected by the law of gravity. You can't avoid that. We're still affected by it. It makes sense. But there are people who have learned to leverage the law of gravity in conjunction with aerodynamics and they've been able to fly. Now here's what Proverbs is full of. It's full of laws for living. It's how life really works. And once you learn these laws, once you learn how they interact with one another and how they are supposed to apply to our lives, then you can learn how to maximize living. You can learn to fly. You can learn to live the way God intended for us to live. And so these principles, these laws for living is what Proverbs gives us. Proverbs are not promises. They are not promises. Proverbs are general observations about how life usually works. Okay, they are general observations about how life usually works. Does that make sense? A proverb tells us what usually happens, not what always happens. So a proverb is God teaching us about how life works, the laws he puts in place, how life generally works. But a proverb tells us what usually happens, not what always happens. For example, there are principles all throughout the Bible like this. One of the principles that we're going to learn as we read through this particular book of Scripture, this book of Proverbs, is that you reap what you sow. Okay, that's a principle that is found throughout Scripture, that you reap what you sow. What you put in, you will get out. I mean, does that sound familiar to you? Anybody familiar with this one? Of course, you know, you reap what you sow. That's become a common phrase in culture around us, not just within the church. That's usually the case. But on occasion, a lazy person will win the lottery who doesn't do any work, who didn't put any effort in, yet they spend a dollar on a lottery ticket and they walk away with $12 million. So it's not a promise. It's an observation about how life usually works. So over the next few weeks, as we learn from Solomon, the wisest and wealthiest man that ever lived, we're going to learn how life works. Now, here's the thing about Proverbs, and, and you can jot this down if you're a note taker. There are three main characters in the book that we're going to see it here in just a second as we dive in. There's three main characters that come up all the time in Proverbs. And these three main characters are these. You have the wise, you have the foolish, and you have the simple. You have the wise, you have the foolish, and you have the simple. 
So let's kind of cover those by working our way backwards. Let's start with the simple, okay? Simple people are people who live their life, but they don't ever think about their life. They're kind of just on autopilot. Simple people live their life, but they don't think about their life. They don't understand the rules. They don't know, and so they just do. They just kind of do whatever they think, uh, whatever comes naturally to them. These are the simple people uh, that uh, Solomon talks about. For example, maybe you have a teenager at home, or you have a kid at home, and they do something kind of stupid, which happens from time to time. And you go up to them and you're looking at the stupid thing and they know it was stupid and you know it was stupid and you look at them and you say, or depending on the severity, you, you yell, what were you thinking? And what did they say? I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the answer. I don't, I don't know. Because they weren't thinking. There was no thought that went into this. They just did. Uh, right? I mean, you guys have been there. You've seen this. Uh, the simple, when we read through that, and you see that in Proverbs, it just means they're not thinking at all. These are the simple that Solomon refers to. Now next, after the simple, we have the foolish. Now the foolish know the right thing to do, but they don't do it. Okay, there's a beard gap here. They know the right thing to do, but they don't do it. The foolish know what God wants. They know what would honor God. They know that what would make God happy. They know the principles that God has put into play, but they don't do it. That's what a fool is. A fool is not without knowledge. That's the simple. The simple doesn't have the knowledge. A fool has the knowledge. A fool is without application. Okay? The simple is without knowledge. The fool is without application. Does that make sense? They're rebelling against what God says that we are to do. So the simple-minded, they don't think. The foolish are thinking, but they're not going to do what God says. And then finally, the third category is you have the wise. And the wise know the right thing to do, and they do it. So there's knowledge, there's application. The simple lack the knowledge, the fool lacks the application, and the wise has both. So these are the three characters that are addressed all throughout the book of Proverbs. You have the wise who know the right thing to do and do it. You have the foolish who know the right thing to do and don't do it. And you have the simple who are just living their life without knowing anything at all and not thinking. They just go through the motions. All right, so let's kick this thing off. And then I want to talk to you about wisdom quickly as we set this up for the next few weeks. So Proverbs chapter 1, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 7 in Proverbs chapter 1. 1 through 7 in Proverbs chapter 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise, their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Pause for a second there. I mean, look at this last verse that I just read. The purpose of Proverbs is to teach us how to live disciplined and successful lives and to help us do what is right, just, and fair. If that's not motivation to live and apply Proverbs, I don't know what is because that's how we all want to live our lives. 
Now, then it continues. These Proverbs will give insight to, okay, here's the first group, to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. So the implication there is that we're simple more naturally when we're young because we haven't gained these laws yet. We don't understand how the world works around us. We don't have the knowledge yet. So these Proverbs will give insight to the simple and knowledge and discernment to the young. Then it continues, let the, here's the next category, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. So you may say, man, I've got this wisdom thing down. Proverbs tells us you still need to read because you can become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then it concludes in verse 7, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But here's the last category, fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Why do they despise it? Because they feel bad. Because they can't just do what they want. They can't just ignore stuff and not feel guilty. When, when you get wisdom and discipline, now you start to feel guilty about the wrong choices you're making. So fools don't like that. Okay, so you got these three types of people, right? You have the wise who know the right thing to do and they do it. And Solomon is saying, okay, if you're wise, this is going to help you become wiser. And then he addresses the fool. If you're a fool, you know the right thing, but you're not going to do it. You're going to despise some of the things that we're going to talk about. If, if you are in the category of fool, then you're going to despise some of the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. You saw that in the passage. They despise wisdom and discipline. And if you're simple, then he's going to give you some insights. He's going to help you gain some knowledge so we know what the right thing is to do. He's going to teach you how to think through some things. Now, if you're asking yourself, what kind of person am I? You know, not me, but you, self-evaluation here. What kind of person are you? What kind of person am I? Uh, some areas of your life, you're most likely practicing wisdom. We all have areas of our lives where we practice wisdom. And hopefully that's true with me as well. Then in some area of our lives, we're practicing foolishness. We know the right thing to do, but we're not doing it. That's foolishness. And some areas of our lives, we're the simple. We should be thinking about it and we're not. We haven't been exposed to the truth yet in some of these areas. So over the next few weeks, we're going to work on this. We're going to gain some wisdom. Now the Hebrew word for wisdom, and I'm not going to go through ancient Hebrew with you, but the word that is translated as wisdom, here's what it means. It means skill in the art of godly living. That's when a Hebrew used this word that we translate as wisdom, what they meant was, the sentiment it carried was, this is skill in the art of godly living. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on the next few weeks knowing the right thing to do and then actually living it. That's the challenge I'm going to constantly keep in front of you is that we're not just communicating information throughout this series. We're, we want all of us to walk away from this with application, with decisions made, with pro forward progress in this area of how do we deal with and how do we manage, how do we steward the wealth that God has given us, that he has entrusted to us. And we're going to work on our skills for life, skill in the art of godly living together over the next few weeks. Now, the title of this series is Dollars and Cents. And you might be thinking, I thought we were going to talk about money. 
And we are. Over the next few weeks, we'll get to that. But we're going to learn a lot about what the Bible has to say about money. But before we get to the dollars, we're going to see if the Bible can talk some sense into us. So that's why this morning we've been focused primarily on wisdom and understanding what Proverbs is setting out to do and how we can make the most of what Proverbs communicates to us. Today we're going to focus on wisdom. And I want to focus on three important things about wisdom before we wrap up this morning. Three important things about in obtaining the skill for godly living as uh, the Hebrews knew wisdom was. So the first thing that I want you to understand about wisdom is this. Wisdom begins with humility. Wisdom begins with humility. Now we need to define our terms because words mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, some people believe humility means you're weak. Well, that's not at all what biblical humility is. Biblical humility is trusting God and trusting others with the real me. That's biblical humility. Trusting God and trusting others with the real me. It's, it's, it's being honest about who you are and what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. Uh, wisdom always begins with humility because wisdom accepts the reality of who I am, of what my circumstances are, of what I deal with on a daily basis, of what my family's like, of what my career is like, of what my abilities are like, of what my mental capacity is like, all those things, wisdom accepts reality. And so wisdom has to begin with this humility, this accurate and healthy understanding about who I really am authentically. Now, pride, on the other hand, is about pretending. Humility uh, trust God and others with the real me, pride pretends, and humility is about reality. So humility doesn't mean that you lack confidence. Humility means that you know who you are and who you're not. You know where you're doing well, you know where you're not doing well, and you're willing to admit it and get help. That's humility. Nothing will keep you from growing in life like pride. So what it comes down to is this, pride paralyzes and humility empowers. Pride paralyzes. It keeps you from moving forward. It keeps you from growing. It keeps you from becoming all that God wants you to be, whereas humility empowers you and causes you to grow. It causes you to, to lean into that ideal person that God designed for you to become. Now, there is such a thing as healthy pride. Okay, You know, you brush your teeth and you comb your hair in the morning. You take pride in your appearance. That's, that's a healthy pride. I'm talking about pride that causes you to hide. Pride that causes you to withdraw. Pride that causes you to put on the mask uh, to wear this, this facade that others see instead of the real you. The pride that says, I'm okay, I'm good. Nobody needs to see my pain. Nobody needs to see my weakness. Nobody needs to know where I'm suffering. Real life change, real wisdom always begins with humility. And that is the first step to real life change. Humility is that first step. And so over the next few weeks, as we talk about finances, as you read through this on your own and you see some other things as you read through this, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know about all this. There's going to be some stuff that's going to challenge you and maybe provoke some of your thinking because you haven't considered some of this before. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Okay, you ready for this? This is, this is my invitation to you. Embrace your stupidity embrace your stupidity and I will do the same. I, I, 
Melissa will tell you, I probably do this more often than most, but let's embrace our foolishness and call it what it is. Embrace our simple-mindedness where we didn't know, now we do. Where we knew and we weren't putting into, a pre into practice in our lives, now we're going to apply it. Let's embrace and be authentic about who we are. That way we can step into a place where we can get healing, we can begin to become wise in whatever area of life that that is, but wisdom always begins with humility because pride paralyzes and humility empowers. So wisdom begins with humility. Number two, second thing I want you to understand about wisdom as we dive into this topic is wisdom grows with the wise. Wisdom grows with the wise. And I'll explain that. Here's what I mean. We become like those we hang out with. People around you are going to be rubbing off on you. I'm going to go ahead and give you a proverb to memorize. This is a phenomenal proverb to memorize. Commit to memory. Be a great proverb that uh, maybe to teach your children as well. And that is Proverbs 13:20. This is so important to understand this principle, this laws for godly living moment in Proverbs 13:20. Walk with the wise and become wise associate with fools and get in trouble. Walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. This is a huge principle that we need to apply to our lives. You know what that verse just said? If you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. Get people in your life that are wise, that you like the direction they're heading. They apply the knowledge that they have. They live it out. They are, they are honoring God with their lives. If you want to go completely the wrong direction, then hang out with dumb people. That's what we just read. So if you're thinking to yourself, well, man, as I look at my friend base, none of my friends are biblically wise like we've talked about today. The people that I hang out with, I could not describe them that way. What does that say about you? Okay, here's what we, what we need to do. Because I, I'm not asking us to dissociate from everybody who does not live with biblical wisdom. Of course not. We can't do that. We need to love everybody, but we don't want to learn from everybody. That's, that's a, a good principle. We need to love everybody, but we don't want to learn from everybody. Wisdom grows with the wise. Just think about this for a moment. How much money would you pay? Would it, how much money would it, it be worth to you to be able to get in a machine, a time machine, go back 10 years or maybe 20 years and be able to talk to yourself knowing all that you know today. I mean, I, I would pay quite a bit of money to be able to do that and correct young, naive, immature Jeff and say, no, dude, look, this is what's going to happen. Fix it. Uh, what would you give to be able to go back and give yourself counsel with all these years of wisdom that you've obtained now and, and help yourself know that a decade ago or two decades ago? That'd be invaluable. Uh, so here's the beautiful thing about the church and living as a follower of Jesus. We have God's word. We, so we have thousands of years of wisdom from God himself that we have access to. And here's the other thing. We have one another. We have each other that we can lean on. There's lots of people all around you that are farther along in life than you. I mean, you could do like a Brady Bunch moment and look at the, the pictures on either side of you and up and down and just kind of identify, all right, who are the wise people that I want to learn from? Who are the wise people that I can grow alongside? Who are the wise people that will help me become more wise? We need that in our lives. 
Um, and let me just tell you what wisdom does. Wisdom learns from other people's mistakes. Wisdom learns from other people's mistakes. There's no reason to repeat someone else's mistake when you can learn from them and avoid having to learn the hard way. Obviously, there are times in life where we're going to learn the hard way. We're going to do something that was a problem. We're going to do something we shouldn't have done. We're going to fall flat on our face. And hopefully, we're going to learn from that. But so much better when we can, as the expression goes, let someone else pay the dumb tax and we can learn from what they did wrong and we can internalize that lesson, gain that knowledge, live with application and never fall into that trap. Just as we're talking about finances, one real practical example of this is when I went to college and got my first credit card. I, I got that card in the mail. I'm, I'm telling you, I think it was move-in day. That card was in my box because Citibank wanted me badly. Uh, and Citibank got me. I said, oh, great. Filled out that application, sent in that card. And it was awesome. I mean, I could get pizza every night. Got three meals a day in the dining hall that my parents paid for on my meal plan. I ate all those. But then, of course, 11 o'clock comes and you want pizza. So here's the card. And I'm telling you, I racked up after that first year. I think I probably had $2,000 in credit card debt. That was not wise. And I repeated that mistake several times in my life. And now I can tell you gratefully that Melissa and I are debt free. We don't have any debt. And we are so grateful that God has enabled us to be in this position. We've learned from mistakes of our past. And okay, we've learned from mistakes in my past. Melissa never really had that issue. Uh, but I want my kids to learn from the dumb tax I had to pay on that. So I'm trying to teach them, hey guys, debt is not wise. You don't want to have this. You don't want to accumulate this. And so we need to learn from one another's mistakes. We want to walk in humility. We want to walk with the wise and learn from the wise because it protects us in life. We become like who we hang out with. That Hebrew word for wisdom means skilled at godly living. And so we gain those skills for godly living when we hang out with people who are living godly lives. So who in your life do you know that's got skills in any area of life where you're like, I could use some better skills here? In your marriage, maybe in your singleness, in your finances, if you're repairing a relationship, whatever. Who's ahead of the game that you can submit yourself under their authority and learn from them? Be mentored by them. Because if you're going to be wise, you've got to learn to walk with the wise. So you're going to love everybody. God wants us to have people in our lives who are far from him so we can help them and encourage them and invest in them and pray for them. But we're not going to learn from everybody. Somebody is always rubbing off on you and those you spend the bulk of your time with and trust the intimate details of your life to, they're rubbing off on you all the time. And I'm not just talking about your friendships. Every time you watch a movie, that movie is rubbing off on you. Every time you watch a television show, the crowd that you hang out with at work, whatever, it's rubbing off on you. And again, we're going to love everybody, but we don't need to necessarily be learning from everybody. Does that make sense? Okay. So when you spend time in God's word, guess what's happening? God's word is rubbing off on you. God's word is helping to reshape you. And when you begin to apply God's word in the context of your neighborhood group that you're a part of and you're discussing it, you're talking about what does God's word say? How do we live this out? It's rubbing off on you. You really start to apply it. You really start to live it. And here's what happens. You begin to now see how God sees. 
And when you see circumstances and people the way God sees them, you will do what God says because now you're thinking how God thinks. That's how we are to live our lives. That's what we're supposed to do. This is wisdom. And so you want to constantly, constantly, constantly put yourself in environments where wisdom can rub off on you. You want to read the Bible so you can learn from God. You want to be in a neighborhood group so that you can learn from God. You want to come to church regularly so that you can learn from God. You want godly people in your lives that will help you see what you can't see. All of this is critical to us growing in wisdom. So wisdom begins with humility. Wisdom grows with the wise. And number three, wisdom is not just what you know, but what you show. Wisdom is not just what you know, but what you show. Wisdom is not the same as being smart. You can be very bright, you can be very intelligent, and biblically speaking, still be a fool. There are lots of people that I've known over the years, guys that have been really good friends of mine, much smarter than me, more gifted than I, and yet in the context of our friendship, and I was learning things from them, I saw them blow up their lives. They, very smart, very intelligent, but they they kept making foolish decisions and they would make decisions that wouldn't honor God. And it's not just what you know, it's what you show. And they weren't showing the right decisions. They knew everything there was to know and they could, the sky was the limit for them, but they made poor choices and it ended up blowing up their life and their ministry. It's what you show that matters. You've got to live with the beard in mind, connecting the mind to the body and living that out. Um, because in ancient Israel, that was a symbol of connecting your mind with your body, taking what you know is right and actually doing what is right. Let me tell you what foolishness is. Foolishness is the gap between knowing the right thing to do and actually doing it. That's what foolishness is. It's what resides in that gap between knowing the right thing and actually doing it. Here's my goal for you and for me over the next few weeks. The goal is first of all, to shrink the areas where we just don't know the right thing to do. We all have areas where we're just unaware. We're, we're ignorant of what we should be doing. We've never been taught, we've never learned. And so there are areas where that's true. We wanna shrink those areas where we just don't know the right thing to do in this area of finances. To raise our awareness of God's plan for how we're supposed to live. Then to shrink the gap between what we know is true and putting it into practice, where we are now actually doing it. We're actually living it. And the smaller that gap is, the more wise you are becoming. Because it's not just information, it's application. Connecting what you know is right to actually doing what is right. And that's what it means to walk in wisdom. And here's the beautiful thing about God. Here's the beautiful thing about what we're going to study over the next few weeks together. God is really, really smart. <laughs> He's really, really wise. And the problem with arguing with God is that God is always right. You won't win. And the blessing of submitting yourself under what he says is he's always right. And so here's our option here. We can argue with God and be foolish, or we can learn from God and be wise. You can argue with God and be foolish, or you can learn from God and be wise. There's really no middle ground here. These are laws for living. Gravity is gravity every time. And God created life. He created these principles so he, know how it, he knows how it's supposed to work every time. He loves you and you can trust God. 
these plans that God has laid out for our lives and how to live and please him, it's not just to please him, it's to bless you. The next few weeks, I'm gonna to talk to you about money. We're gonna talk about how that works, how God designed things for us. Solomon's going to give us some brilliant counsel, but even in all of that, listen, you and I have a choice. You have a choice to make. Are we going to listen and learn and apply, or are we going to pull back and resist? But here's what I want you to know, the bottom line for today, it's not what God wants from us when we talk about this, it's what God wants for us. These principles are to bless us, to improve our lives, to put us in better positions, to be able to serve, to be able to live, to be able to help those around us, to grow us, to show us the way that it's supposed to work. And that's what we're gonna cover over the next few weeks. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together this morning. God, over the next few weeks, would you help us to know your love for us and help us to know that all of your commands are for our benefit, to protect us and also to provide for us. And God, you can see what we can't see. And God, you obviously know what we don't know. So we choose to trust you. Father, would you help us see where we're being simple? Show us those places, God, where we just don't know what we should. Help us to see where we're being foolish, where we're resisting the truth that you've given us and we're not living it out. And help us to see where we're being wise so that it can increase and so we can help others as well. Help us to grow in your wisdom, God. Give us the wisdom to know the right thing to do and then the courage to do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.